Welcome to TC Tiawi Talks, Tia Chucha Centro Cultural, located on Tataviam land in the Northeast San Fernando Valley, is rooted in ancestral knowledge, culture, the arts, literacy, and social justice as a means to personal and communal transformation. It is a place where hearts and minds have united for change for over 19 years. Join us as we share the stories of personal transformation and our understanding of the world that unites us as a community. We must remember that another world has always been possible. Tiawi, a Nahuatl word for adelante, to move forward. Like a spiral, together we move towards a better future, cognizant of the resiliency we carry from our past. Welcome to Tiawi Talks. This is Rebecca. I'll be your host. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, hers. And today we have special guests, a collective minds who make up the Chica Next World Making and Futurities Project. The collective that make up Chica Next World Making and Futurities Project have multiple efforts to document stories of resistance. They have a blog, they have a podcast, they do recipes, they do zines. And to find out more information, we will have their page um, in the show notes. But welcome, everybody. I'm very happy to have you. So if we could start off first with opening with our favorite pastimes. Mine is hiking. Hi, everyone. This is Maritza here. Um, really happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation, Rebecca. Um, yeah, so my pronouns are they, them, and my favorite pastime right now is drawing. Yeah, I like drawing on my iPad. <laughs> oh. Yeah, my name is uh, Christian, and my pronouns are he, him. And I have not been asked this question in a very long time, so <laughs> thank you for this kind of question. Um, I have to say maybe um, something I miss and something I wish I could do again, but it'd probably be a long time, is go to Dodger games. Um, I used to go with my dad and my tios. Um, not opening day because, um, I don't know, it gets wild, but <laughs> uh, I used to like going to Dodger games and just watching baseball. I'm not a sports person, but I liked baseball. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Natalia Toscano. I'm a PhD student here at the University of New Mexico in Pueblo land in Albuquerque. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, ella. Um, so I'm really excited to be here on the Tiawi Talks, um, especially being that um, when I lived in the Valley, you know, Tia Chuchas was definitely a space where I spent a lot of time at. And now being in grad school, um, it's nice to be connected in a virtual way. Um, but in terms of my favorite pastimes, well, one, I like to uh, watch TV, like a lot of TV. <laughs> so, you know, to, uh, all the shows on Hulu and Netflix, hanging out with my dog, Chucho, um, although he doesn't, he doesn't like to cuddle, but I use my, my power over him with, with snacks when I make them. But yeah. Hello, everybody. Um, my name is Gustavo Garcia. Um, thank you, Rebecca, for the invitation. 
Um, it is exciting to be here and to finally have an opportunity to spend some time talking about the stuff that we've been doing. I know that this has been a, a long time in the making, no? so um, it's really exciting to, to, to be here with all of the compas. Um, I'm I'm PhD student at the University of New Mexico in the Department of Chicano Chicana Studies, um, and my favorite pastime at this very moment is playing video games. Oh man, okay. Can you all please explain what you do? You do so much, and it's like, how do you all do it, and what what do you all do? Yeah, um, I can kind of start with a little bit of the context, you know. Um, Early on, while we were still undergrads at UCLA, probably 2018, correct me if I'm wrong, 2018, 2017, uh, we started uh, this podcast collective, Chicana Tiawi, with Christian, myself, and Joel, who's not here today. Um, and we wanted to just share, you know, the stories of of our community of Chicanx folks. We were really interested in Chicanx indigenous perspectives specifically at that time. Um, and I think that still is definitely one of the aspects that we explore on our podcast. Um, but then, you know, like things happen and we had to kind of slow down, take a break and it, it became a lot of work um, to just be like three of us uh, doing the podcast. And so we revamped it in, when did we revamp it? <laughs> like 2020? In 2020? Yeah, during the pandemic, essentially, you know, we were all Zoomed um, and indoors. And thankfully at that time is when we invited the compas here, Natalia and Gustavo, to join us. And they really um, have helped shape uh, Chicana Tiawi to what it is now and it's really exciting honestly like um, it's always blows my mind how far the podcast has come and the relationships we have been able to form through that space and now also this bigger project which I'll pass on the palabra to someone who wants to share you know kind of the bigger project of Chicanx world making and futurities which now is kind of the name for a bunch of our smaller projects, including Chicana Tiawi. So yeah, I don't know if who wants to share a little bit about that. Well, I can I can jump in and share a little bit. Um, so so once um, um, we started, we we got invited into the the space. Um, I think we were all really, you know, it was pandemic time. Um, a lot of us were home. Um, myself and Natalia had also been a little disconnected from the compass for a little bit. You know, we were we were trying to figure out graduate school life out here in New Mexico. Um, and I guess just as a little a little um, side story, you know, is that a lot, we all met in, at um, at UCLA as undergrads. Um, so it was during that time that that really we began um, this friendship that you know has blossomed into what it is today. And so when we got invited into this project, we were. We were all at home. We were all reconnecting after a little while, um, and and I think we were all having like this um, um, creative flow to really think about um, ways to be able to produce um, different type of media, to produce and create and narrate 
um, stories of communities um, in multiple forms and multiple ways. So what ended up happening was that the discussion of the podcast um, ended up becoming something a lot bigger, you know, and, and, and with that, um, Christian is also very um, involved in writing. So he, you know, part of this time, they were also blogging and, and, and Christian was writing a lot, of, a lot of his thoughts onto this website, Chikanatiawi. And when we had that discussion to take a step back and to figure out where we wanted to go moving forward, um, we, we, we came up with the name Chicanx World Making and Futurities as a way to be able to explore ideas of world making, um, world making and Chicanx, and Chicanx kind of communities and, and Chicanx um, forms of being, while at the same time thinking about this idea of futurity. And part of that for us meant having discussions with people from different places, um, scholars, community members, um, people who are involved in, in various forms and, and social struggles of some sort, and really thinking about, well, what does it mean to world make? What does it mean to think about futurity in past, present, and future? Um, and, and so part of those discussions led to the formation of Tierra y Libertad, the zine press, um, which is a press that we also have um, where we encourage and support different people who are interested in making their own zines, um, particular to Chicanx, Latinx, indigenous, Afro um, communities. And also in, in our sense, we really wanted to um, use these kind of DIY forms of, of production, of dissemination, to be able to control and, and share stories that are often invisibilized or not at the center of many discussions. Um, I don't know if you all, compas, want to add to any of that. I'm also just trying to reflect back on, on what that moment was. I mean, it was a couple of years back, so. I also, I think for me, I also remember it as, um, you know, our reflections as a lot of us are in Chicano, Chicana studies, right? And we come, we were, we've been able to connect um, and stay friends and even in our, as, as colleagues, I think in Chicano, Chicana studies and our commitment to the field and project of Chicano Chicana studies. And, and so um, Grisian and I also had started working on, you know, collaborative projects, particularly in regards to Chicana feminisms, Chicana thinkers and writers. And so I think with that too, uh, Chicanx World Making and Futurities project is such a, it feels like so big because it was many ideas that we were working on together that we decided to finally bring together under one umbrella. Um, so on one hand, we had the Chicana, um, the Chicana Tiawi podcast, we had the Zinesters, we had the blogger, um, we also have a cooking element that is still coming up, up to rise and is bubbling. Um, we had the work that Christian and I were doing with kind of popular education and thinking about reading groups, which I think Christian has really um, spearheaded and trailblazed for us. And so it was all of these little projects that we had going that were like, why are we, um, why are we doing all of this stuff under all of these different names when we're still all committed and still really thinking about this idea of Chicanx world making. And I think um, right in this idea of seeing how our communities and the people that we're in dialogue with are envisioning and thinking about the world around them. So even in the zines, in the podcasts, um, in our blog posts and you know all of the other work that we've been doing, that's been a central thing that we think about is how as how are we as a community creating worlds, but also how are we bridging 
um, ourselves to other people who are creating the world that they want to live in. And so that I think that's really what kind of culminated and brought us together. And I think the, the although this had started before the pandemic, I think the pandemic really created the space for us um, to do that. And especially because, you know, we live in different geographies. We're here in Albuquerque, um, they're in California. We have some compas who are up North in California. And so the pandemic kind of facilitated um, the ability to use a virtual realm for us to get together and be creative together. Um, and it allowed us a, a virtual space to be able to do these things that we had envisioned for a long time, but weren't able to do because we weren't able to physically be together. That's beautiful, y'all. I really admire the way y'all get together to get all these ideas into um, like into reality. And um, I also admire that y'all are friends and you're able to still be able to work well together to get, you know, to work together to get these things happening. So that's something I really admire about you all. And, um, and that like, this is part of the reason why I'm like, I think it's good to share these stories about how y'all like how, um, I don't know how would you, I guess I'll describe yourselves like it, um, but I'm thinking about how people can learn to, how we're learning to work as a collective. Um, and I think those kind of things are really abstract and because we all know what that is. And a lot of times like it's hard to actually put it into like um, the reality um, and doing things that like are very important outside. So I, I, something like, I think that that sticks out to me about what the work y'all do. Um, and that's also because I saw that you all were very much involved in the, um, with the Zapatistas. What do you all feel is like uh, Zapatismo and then how does it inform your work? Um, yeah, no, that's a great question. And um, I think for a lot of us, um, We've been very interested. I won't speak for everyone, but I think I have an idea of how everyone thinks. <laughs> but um, we've been very grounded in indigenous cosmovision, praxis, ceremony, practices, radicalisms. That has also informed how we think about Chicanx world making, futurity, politics, ideology. You can keep going on. Um, but I think what kind of the glue that um, kind of puts that all into perspective was Zapatismo and our engagement with the Zapatista struggle in Chiapas, Mexico. Um, I'm not sure, I can't speak for um, Natalia or Gustavo, but for me, Maritza, it was really going to Chiapas in 2017. Um, and, you know, I think that kind of cemented our um, our own ways that our own way of thinking about our struggle over here in the United States and how we wanted to make collectives, make you know um, stories, um, and really thinking about how we can become our own storytellers. Um, and so, our project is really you know it's not only Chicanx, but it's also like implicitly Zapatista and it's 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 that mode of 
documenting our own stories, doing our own intellectual production, having our own analysis grounded in who we are, our context, and the kinds of worlds that we are shaped by. Um, and so for me, Zapatismo is obviously, I mean, you could chase it back to, um, you know, Emiliano Zapata from Morelos and um, the, the Zapatistas of, you know, that period during the Porfiriato and um, um, the Mexican Revolutionary War of 1910, uh, in that period. But then you also get, you know, what people call neo-Zapatistas or new Zapatistas. For me, it's, it's all one the same. It's the same spirit. Um, and what we have, and really, um, for me, Zapatismo is not just and this is this has been a lot of debates and problems in in a lot of the zapatista orbits um, or you know people the people who accompany and follow and are in solidarity with the zapatistas is that they think zapatistas is exclusive to Chiapas when zapatismo is and can be planetary can be in any context um, and you know it's not they they tell you like this isn't just ours you know we just practice it. It's a way of life. It's a, it's a philosophy. It's its own kind of relationship to one another, um, and it's trying to build another world that's not rooted in you know hierarchy, oppression. Um, I want to say oppressive hierarchy because you know they do have hierarchy, but it's not the same one, right? That we see um, from capitalism and Western forms of governance, um, and so in their autonomous governance, you know they're trying to make new kinds of relationships to people that's not um, antagonistic or oppressive or violent, right? And so for us, it's like, when we come into our project, you know, we, we're very horizontal and it's like, you know, proposal-based, you know, whatever capacity, um, however we want to do things, we're always, you know, very flexible and we really stick to, you know, walking while asking questions. And so, that's really guided a lot of our own work and our relationships to Zapatismo and how we even, you know, we're, we're compas, right? We're, we, we trust each other. Um, and that trust took a long time, right? Um, it took a lot of, um, lot of love. Um, I mean, we might disagree on certain things <laughs> like ideologically or, you know, whatever, but, you know, those productive tensions really show us who we are and how we think and how we want to be seen and how we perceive the world and how we feel. And, you know, we, in those like little contradictions between how we think, feel, be in the world, we learn and we learn together and it does generate a different kind of space that's more loving than you know, I'm, I'm competing with you. I'm, I want to look better than you. I want to sound smarter than you. You know, it's not none of that. Um, so that's, that's kind of like how I've been thinking about our group and how we follow Zapatismo and we really respect each other's um, analysis, our, our ways of seeing things. Um, and we try to convince each other, not put down each other. Well, I think that's really admirable to be able to to work in that way and work out of love and uh, compassion for one another. So I, that's, yeah, I, I love hearing that. So thank you for sharing that part. Um, so 
I think we kind of went over a little bit about um, your philosophy and how Zapatismo was kind of like the one like big route to how y'all work. Um, so I guess briefly, just like, and this is probably another, maybe for another podcast, but um, is this what Chicanista radicalism or what is it like Chicanista radicalism? you are. I think Goose is pulling up our, our zine, oh. our latest zine. Oh uh, yeah. Which folks can can um check out on our web on our website and on our Instagram. We I think we tried to define it in there, but you know, I think really what inspired that call um Chicanista Radicalism's series is to recenter the the various politics, politicas that exist in Chicanx communities, um, right? So we wanted to emphasize like, you know, there's a lot of Chicanx anarchistas, there's like communist folks, there's indigenous folks. Like we really wanted to share those different perspectives and kind of re recenter the politics in Chicanx um, communities, which has always been there but sometimes has been lost in the popular culture, uh, which tends to look at Chicanos, Chicanexes as cultural, um, just cultural. And so for us, this was really a cool opportunity to share some of these various voices, um, including, you know, Zapatismo, which for me, um, you know, this, there's this very long history of Chicanex folks going to Chiapas, going on delegations there since the nineties and, before um, and that has been sustained across time like it never ended like those relationships are were ongoing until today and so for me seeing all these Chicanx folks involved in Zapatista spaces in going down to Chiapas to the Encuentros now being part of the CNI um, in terms of supporting that work which is a con Congreso Nacional Indígena right it was really something so different than the dominant narrative of what Chicanexes do and are, like to be able to see them alongside and struggle with the Zapatistas was something that we wanted to also uh, make space for in the zine. Um, it's not so present in this zine, um, maybe directly, but we do hope in the future to dedicate a whole a whole zine to you know Chicanexes and their work with Zapatismo over the last 20 years. Um, and so that's something that I think really partly inspired this Chicanista radicalism zine. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll pass the palabra to folks because um, I know we worked on some kind of broad definition. <laughs> yeah, you know, and 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 for us when, and so part of part of this whole thing, right, that we, the Chicanx World Making and Futurities Project is about this idea of world making and world making not having to feel like it's something that you have to obtain, but that things are that people are doing on the daily, contemporarily, and that they have been doing for a very long time. Now, despite the the place that you live in or the type of political governance that's attempting to to get you to abide by the the rules and regulations of that specific nation state and so forth, and also. So for us, I think this first, this this discussion and us trying to bring in the, so us trying to bring in the experiences of multiple communities and multiple peoples 
was what becomes evident in the zine, no? And so the zine, this first zine was called Chicanista Radicalisms, Bridging Together Multiple Worlds. And so I'm, an, I'm, I'm is it okay if I read the intro? So then that yeah. way you can, yeah. And so the intro, we collectively wrote it um, after we had reviewed the submissions, we had time to sit with it, we had time to um, to really take them in no? and, and, and try to figure out what people were saying in their writing, in their imagery, in their poetry. And from that, we kind of wrote this introduction to, to kind of give shape to what we ourselves were thinking about when the zine came together, but also to bring and to show how all of these different pieces are connected. Also how we come to organize the zine, you know, because we were also editing it and, and trying to figure out how, how um, people are speaking to one another. So in this, the imagination for this zine came from our collective intention to collect and share different visions, poetics, and visual, visual representations of the world. The zine Chicanista Radicalisms is thus born and forged from a collective imagination of the lived experience and the world to come. In this zine series, we hope to incite and, ins and inspire self-determining radical visions. As our first volume of many, the theme calls onto the histories, experiences, and traditions of many walks of life. For us, it's important to bring multiple voices and subjectivities to learn from one another and to bridge existing worlds, pluriverses, and ways of being. We embrace and leave unfinished Chicanista radicalisms as a spectrum of ideas, actions, practices, poetics, visual imaginaries, and radical possibilities that articulate that are articulated not from a single voice or expression, but through multiple registers that manifest Chicanista movements of thought and praxis. We use Chicanista not as a way to reify specific individual identities. In this case, we're talking about neoliberal I, um, but as political positions that individuals and people adopt, embrace, redefine, reformulate, and actively embody. For us, Chicanista radicalism sheds light on the multifaceted and multidimensional ideologies, practices, and visions of collective struggles and futures. Chicanista radicalism allows for tensions to coexist and to converge or diverge when needed. Chicanista philosophies and expansive multidimensional practice allows all people to build at their own capacities within their own contexts, with their own communities, and with the creative strategies and tactics that are for life. Chicanista is an ongoing consciousness, spirit, and praxis. The submission of this first volume bridges multiple walks of life. It bridges many mundos for the purposes of creating un mundo donde quepan muchos mundos. We have organized the writings, images, testimonies, and poetry into three sections. The submission of the first, um, let's see, the first notes on struggle in consciousness provides important comments on organizing. They focus on the way people build relationships with one another and how they are and how people organize. They provide concrete examples, theoretical frames, analytics, and comments on the role of cultural production and tradition. The following section, Poetics of the Flesh, threads together poetry and testimonies of people who are trying to make sense of their position in the world. Through their words and imagery, they point to the structural, systematic, ideological, and material conditions that shape the experiences of Chicanex. Latinx and indigenous people. Despite the struggles that people face, the words and images of this section bring to life hope, ganas, and motivations to build community with others. The last section, Radical Vision, Radical Visions, bridges temporalities by asking us to call upon our ancestors for guidance as we move into next worlds. 
their essays and poetry reminds us that our futures are interconnected, not just with each other, but also with more than the human world. As we return to the knowledge of the land, we remember that our world is anarchic, 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 and cannot be contained by the limits and imposed singularity of the Western world. These are visions that hold differences as sacred. We work to build a world where many, where many worlds fit. The zine is a collection of our palabra and commitment to struggle. Our Chicanista radicalisms are already in motion across geographies and calendars, bridging worlds and seeding rebellion. Tierra y Libertad. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for y'all sharing that. I am really um, I'm excited to hear or to see your work continue as you uh, reveal the what it means to Chicanista radicalism. Uh, you know, in your further, in your your future work too. How do people can get it right now though? How could they get this zine? So on our website where we try to, you know, and, and we need to get better at this, but we do our best. On our website, we, we put all of the different projects that we participate in. And in one of the tabs, Tierra Libertad Press, um, you can, we have a zine catalog and then you have a place to order zines, um, which is a Google, which is like a Google, um, what is it, a Google? Um, form, a Google a form. form. I always forget what it's called, a Google <laughs> form. And we have different different type of zines, you know, that some are individual, um, individually created, others are, co are edited, and we invite people to submit. Um, and so it, it's been a mix of different styles, you know, and, and part of that work has allowed us for, to be able to expand and to bring in different areas and interests that we all have. Um, and that was really the whole point of this work, you know, to be able to give ourselves a space to do what we want to do in a way that allows us to do it and, and, and in a way that allows us to do it in a manner that we want. So that for us is really important, you know, and, and part of that work is, is reflected in some of the, the zine um, that we have available. Cool. Yeah, so if there... For those people out there listening, I hope you all go to buy the zine and any other stuff that you might be uh, sharing online, just check out their website. Um, so I guess we could just, we'll come back to like your, your social media handles and everything, but um, so I guess we can, if you can, we can ship to, uh, I saw that y'all were in Spain and I, at first I was like, why are they going to Spain? <laughs> and then I saw what it was. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Y'all would be doing that. So can you explain what that was um, back in, in August? Right? How was that? What was that? Okay. Well, yes. So we had the privilege and opportunity to travel to Spain in August, so late July, August, first week of August, I think, um, to uh, accompany and support the Zapatistas as they are atravesando el mundo in their gira por la vida. So they're currently on a tour um, to various geographies across the world to learn about ongoing struggles that are happening um, in various geographies. And so one of the first places that they went to go visit was Europe. And I know, especially in Mexico and Mexican media, there's been like a frenzy about um, the Zapatistas going to visit Spain and, um, you know, this idea that they're going to go reconquer and 
and you know all that kind of rhetoric that's happening and and we see forgiveness from spain and you know yada 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 um but i think you know there was many reasons and there there are many reasons why the zapatistas are traveling across the world and i really encourage people to check out enlaces zapatistas to read the comunicados because um there's no other way to encapsulate the words and the motives that the Zapatistas have shared about the reasons for traveling across the world and various geographies. But I think, you know, for us, it was really to see, well, I mean, it was one to experience like how often do you, one, get to travel like that, but to travel accompanying the Zapatistas and, um, you know, other organizers and organizations that are supporting the Zapatistas across the world. And, you know, they went, um, August 13 uh, of this year was actually the 500 year um, so-called um, anniversary, I guess, or yeah, we'll go with that language of the fall of Tenochtitlan, which um, marks kind of the formal fall of the Aztec empire, but also under you know Spain's history is the marker in which all of Mesoamerica falls and we see the colonial, um, the formal colony of Nueva España commence in Mexico and Central America and parts of you know, the Southwest and the Caribbean. Um, and so they went to also talk about how as a people, as an indigenous people that you know, barely 500 years later, they, are no, they still are not conquered people um, and that they are still continuing to participate in indigenous rebellion. They're still participating in struggles against colonialism, against capitalism, against neoliberalism, against patriarchy, against all of these destructive forces that are aiming to destroy life. And so as Chicano Chicanas, Chicane, um, and as people who are, you know, who consider themselves and, and follow Zapatista politics, um, and who have the ability to travel. We saw this as a once in opportunity to experience Spain, but Spain from below, right? Y la otra España, or as, uh, as the Zapatistas have named the geography, um, you know, España en Sumisa, right? So um, Spain, in Sumisa is like, um, right, in rebellion. Um, and so we got to go and, and participate and see how folks in Europe are organizing against um, capitalism, projects of destruction, extractivism, um, gentrification, migration, um, anti-Blackness, homophobia, transphobia. Um, and that was all really fostered and, and made possible because the Zapatistas were traveling across the world and they're really working. You know, I think we always think of those famous words of the Zapatistas wanting to create a world where many worlds fit. And this was their opportunity. Um, they were also in this moment creating bridges for us, right? To be able to visit those worlds that for a lot of us feels um, so far away. I think especially for Spain, um, for us, I think for a lot of us, Spain signals a destructive force, a geography that um, has rejected us a geography that has tormented us, a geography that has displaced us, um, cre created erasure, um, and really 
you know, was a catalyst for violence and destruction. And so I can see why you're like, why are you going to Spain, right? I think a lot of people felt that way when we were sick, when we let them know, hey, we're going to go visit Spain. And, um, and it was a visceral reaction, I think, for a lot of people of like, ew, why, why would you go there? Why would you waste your time and energy and money to go to Spain? Um, but I think for most of us, right, this opportunity to travel there was eye-opening in a way that really created a shift in our perception of what is possible in this world. Um, and really makes, it really makes us think about, you know, who is in power, uh, what is really allowing for this power to happen and to be and to affect our lives, right? And so um, Spain from above, as the Zapatistas let us know, the elite Spanish, um, this idea of Spain, um, is not, you know, is not the same as the people from below who are struggling, who are also um, dealing with the same and or not similar circumstances in terms of dispossession, violence, um, who are living in a capitalist world just like we are. And so I think the opportunity to go was so amazing. Um, and I hope maybe some of the other compas can talk a little bit about that. We do have a podcast out about it. <laughs> With our, with our compa Kiki, who also accompanied us. Um, and she's actually there now in Italy still. I think, no, she came back or they came back. So anyway, they're probably gonna go back and forth and a bunch of other compas that we know are planning on also visiting different geographies as a Zapatista travel. But um, I think it's this idea that our struggles and our opportunity for liberation are not just isolated where we are, but that it's going to have to be truly a global effort and initiative and knowing about each other, understanding about each other is gonna be one of the foundational um, elements needed to be able to incite that rebellion and create those bridges amongst each other. Um, because as the Zapatistas tell us, we're living in this, these, these structures of power act as a hydra. So yes, you might cut one head off, but another one will grow somewhere else. And so how can we begin to think about what is the root of the problem that is affecting our lives and how can we work together to really dismantle the root and, and really unearth it um, to ensure that we're able to foster life and not destruction. And so that's that was one of the really, and we were only there for 10 days and it went by so quickly. Um, but um, you know, there were so many lessons that we were able to learn just being, and, and honestly, we didn't, we didn't talk to the Zapatistas at all. Um, you know, we saw them there, we, we shared space, but really we worked to connect with all the organizers who were um, coming from throughout Europe. So we met compas from France, from Germany, um, England, from Spain, um, who were really informing us and sharing about what's happening in Europe, right? In this Europe that we don't get to see. And especially being in the United States, you know, living here, um, right? We're so blinded to what's really happening in the world because it's all about America. And, uh, and so it was really great to see, you know, you know, the other, the other Europe and, and for them to get the opportunity to hear about the United States as well, because they also have a very, um, specific understanding of what the United States is and looks like. And we were able to share a little bit of what it's like, not only for Chicano and Chicanas, Chicanekis, but also other kinds of immigrants and other folks who are racialized um, and 
criminalized in the United States. But yeah, I'll, I'll share the palabra to some of the other compas if they want to share a little bit about their experiences and how they felt going to Spain. Oh, sorry. I thought Marito was going to say something. Um, yeah, no. Uh, thank you, Natalia, for giving the context. And um, yeah, uh, for me, it was, it's a lot, right? Um, going to Spain. And I, I think, um, I think out of the four of us, maybe I was the last hater. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wasn't being a hater as much. I was really thinking about, you know, what it meant to carry ancestry that I live through my body um, from, you know, people from Spain and <laughs> thinking about ancestors. I don't know. Like, I was like, you know, there were moments where um, I was like, damn, like, I have people that, that this is their land, <laughs> you know, it was tripping me out. I was like really thinking about that and sitting with that. Um, it was weird. Cause I was always like, you know, I don't know if we can cuss, but I was always like, fuck Spain. You know, I don't want to go to Spain. I was, I was only going to go once maybe for like a decolonial summer school that, um, that they host in Barcelona and other places, but they focus on, you know, 1492, they focus on, you know, the Muslim Black presence in southern Spain and what was the kingdom of Granada, Al-Andalus or Andalusia, you know, so like this very hidden indigenous Black uh, history in Spain that then, you know, obviously the, 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 the Castilian Aragon, you know, Castile and Aragon kind of took over the entire Iberian Peninsula, um, except for Portugal, you know. Um, and so, yeah, it was, for me, it was a trip being there. Um, it's funny because all Spanish people are short. And so I'm like, where did tallness come from? <laughs> you know, I was like, these fools are just my height. You know, I don't feel awkward here. Um, and I thought that, you know, I think we had, you know, a lot of misconceptions about people in Spain and everything that we talked about, you know, uh, a lot of what we did see in terms of um, the different things that people were confronted with. Um, and so it was a trip, you know, we met mostly Mexicanos, migrants, um, and people that weren't Spanish. So it was also a different kind of world that we encountered in Spain that wasn't really Spain. Um, so I think I liked that a lot. That was really, um, um, I don't know, like, that was like one of my best experiences being 25. And like, I will always remember that, you know, like that experience. <laughs> um, but I think seeing the Zapatistas there, seeing them, you know, in the Plaza de Colón, you know, you know, hearing the Spanish people or the people of Spain, I don't want to call them just, they're, they're not all Spanish, you know, like maybe by nationality, um, but like for them to be yelling chants that you would hear in like Mexico or, you know, over here in Southern California. It's such a surreal like thing to see that so many people around the world are struggling against their states. Um, and to me, that's beautiful. Um, 
Will other sh Chicanos <laughs> see it the same? I don't know. I, I don't care, but <laughs> that's just me. Um, I think there's a lot of potential in building bridges wherever we can. And it really made me think, you know, we can't be caught up with stuff like that. <laughs> Not anymore. I, I'm, I'm really, you know, Zapatistas are traveling the five continents to be in dialogue with those from below. And if us, we think of ourselves as below, then we have to be in solidarity with the below from everywhere. Um, or we risk being with the above. And, you know, some people glorify the Mexican state and I'm not about it. Because um, the below in Mexico looks very different. The below in Bolivia looks very different. The below from Cuba looks very different. And so um, those are the things that, you know, resonated with me being in Spain and thinking about, okay, like they're gonna be traveling everywhere and they're gonna be talking to the people from below. So when they're going to Africa, when they're going to Asia, when they're going to Oceania, when they're coming here to the United States, who are they going to speak to? They're going to speak to us because we're the below, <laughs> you know. And so that, those are the those are the things that were going through my head, um, and it was a it was a great experience. I love the food, um, and I wish I can have tapas the rest of my life, but I can't. <laughs> Are you, yeah. yeah. I just wanted to share, like, you know, I think that there was many reasons why I felt, I think in my mind, I was really excited and like ready to go with the, with these compas to Spain, but in my body, I felt really resistant to go. <laughs> I was like, oh, like Spain, like, you know, and I still say fuck Spain, like as a nation state, like it's fucked up and that's what we saw when we were there right like it was cool to accompany Spain from below but um you know that Spain from above is really fucking present everywhere you go in in Madrid like the architecture the street names the people like there's still that legacy so present uh that colonial legacy um and it was hard it was hard to to be there honestly for me um like on an embodied level but in also a really great way it was good for me to to be there and experience the center of for for me like what the center of of colonialism was for for Mexico at least right and much of Latin America <laughs> and so I think like sitting in that space, I kind of wish I could have stayed longer to really be able to think through that land, through that geography, because uh, I don't feel like I got enough time to really sit with, you know, everything that it means to be in Spain as, some, as someone who is, um, you know, indigenous to the Americas. And so I think it was heavy. It's still heavy. I, I don't know if I process everything yet, um but you know the compas are out there like and they're fucking process the same shit as me <laughs> and they're really out there like building connections not just in spain now they're now they're in germany they've been to all these places in europe uh they've been to france um and so they really are taking the time to listen and this is something that they emphasize a lot when uh, they were there and this the speech that they gave on August 13th um, the big message was you know like 
we came here to listen and to learn and to sit with you all. And so I think we similarly took that message um, to heart and were able to really sit down with folks from, from Europe, from below and have dialogues like with folks from like Germany, like never in my life would I thought I would be, you know, sitting in a circle with these folks from Germany, a BIPOC collective actually. So these, um, you know, people of color that live there and that have very different experience than the homogenous idea that I have of Europe, uh, which is honestly, I thought very white, um, but that was broken. Like it was clear that there's so many more struggles and yeah, I think Spain is a trip. I recommend everybody go once in their life if you can make the trip. Um, it was great to be on this, you know, journey with the folks from below. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of work to do. Um, and, you know, just to kind of share like the compas in October of last year is when they announced that they were going to travel the five continents. So it's been a year since the first comunicado was put out. Um, on October 7th, 2020. And in that comunicado, uh, just like Natalia had mentioned, they, they say two things that they want to tell the people of Spain. One, you did not conquer us. We continued to resist and rebel. Two, there's no reason for you to ask our forgiveness for anything. Enough of this toying around with the distant past to justify the demagoguery. I can't say that word ever, <laughs> and hypocrisy, the current crimes in process, the murder of community organizers like our brother Samir Flores Soberanes, the hidden genocides behind the mega projects conceived and carried out to please the most powerful player, capitalism, which wreaks punishment on all corners of the world, the payouts to and impunity for the paramilitaries, the buying off of people's conscious consciousness, consciences, and dignity with 30 pieces of silver. So these are the two things that they say, you know, that they want to tell Spain. And I think they've been doing that. Um, and yeah, they're going to keep sharing their palabra, but also uh, listening. So hopefully y'all will tune in to all the different pages that are posting so much good work on what's happening over there. One of them being Irretiemble. Um, so yeah, check them out on IG and Twitter. Thank you. Um, thank you all so much. Got me thinking about what this question is. Um, um, let's see, like, um, I feel like it's kind of like, um, overwhelming to for you know me to think about like but, but I feel like I can't like just give up like not give up but like you know like it's a little bit it's like overwhelming to think how much organizing and movement has to happen to like around the world you know <laughs> so like how do y'all like um embed this work into your lives um uh, informing your 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 work your world and uh, working with each other and also your fire like 
how like can you describe any part of that yeah you, you know that comment of it's it's so much work oh my god I mean think about how much time and effort and and um the commitment that people need to have to be able to um to decide that like we need to build this global movement and we need to allow for the possibility of, of multiple movements taking place and we need to connect on some level. I mean, think about how difficult it is to just work in a small collective here in, in the LA area. Somebody says they're talking about like, how do we bridge collectives of peoples, individuals, communities, families, um, organizations, unions. So I mean, thinking about how, how you work together is such a difficult task, you know, and, and how we um, come to decide what action we take or what vision we want to, um, and what vision for the future or for the present we want to build is so, um, can be at times very difficult and, and, and challenging. You know, I think um, oftentimes there's more tension than, than um, possibility and hope, you know? and, and that tension um, can be very destructive on many levels. But in terms of, of what you're asking, um, one of the, and I think this goes for me too, and, and kind of how I came to, um, to the work of the Zapatistas is their, um, their framework for organizing, no? particularly Los Siete Principios. Um, and the Siete Principios, um, I think, gave me the language to be able to articulate the ethics and practices and values that I uh, myself tried to follow um, and that I hadn't fully articulated, you know, and, and so um, it wasn't until I, I looked at the principios and, and um, became part of um, Sexta Guetas del Norte um, that, that um, and, and their request to say, hey, do you follow the Sete Principios? That's our framework for, for collaboration, for working together, for living with one another, for exchanging ideas with one another, for just collaboration in, at all, no? So those Siete Principios um, are really important. And, and so I'll, I'll read them, no? And the Siete Principios are to serve and not to serve oneself, servir y no servirse, to, to construct and not destroy, construir y no destruir, to three, to represent and not supplant, Repres representar y no suplantar, four, to convince and not defeat, Convencer y no vencer. Five, to obey and not command. Obedecer y no mandar. Six, to go from below and not above. Ir de abajo y no de arriba. Two, and seven, to propose and not impose. Um, to proponer y no imponer. So if we think about those ideas and how profound they are and, and what they teach us about oneself and how to work with one another and and how to build community, they become really important, no? And, and part of this um, gives us a space to be able to work with others, to work with each other in a way where we're listening and respecting each other's positions um, and figuring out ways to, to be able to take concrete action and steps um, towards building that, um, that, that um, vision we have and possibility. Um, so, I mean, one, and to me, one of the, the ones that I really try to take with me everywhere I go is to construct and not destroy, you know, construir and not destruir. 
and and I think so often we are taught that the way we we um we are taught to destroy, you know, we're taught to take down, we're taught to break apart, we're taught to um to we're taught to to dehumanize in many levels, you no. Know? So to construct is the possibility of of thinking about how we build, how we work together, how we um, create opportunities that that bring our experiences and our histories and our and our um, and our worldviews into practice. Um, so so to me, those those siete principles are really important, um, and and those are the same kind of um, principles and ethics that I carry with me everywhere I go, wherever I go. Um, so so that, that's really important to to what I do um, in the work and a different kind of collectives and, and work that I just do generally. Thank you. Um, Marisa and Christian. Yeah, no, I, I think Gustavo said it really well. Um, and the immediate thing that came to mind was the Congreso, Congreso Nacional Indígena, the CNI um, in Mexico. Um, that formed in 1996. So when the Zapatistas declared their war against the Mexican government, the Mexican civil, the Mexican civil society asked them to stop the war, to not, to not go into full-blown you know, civil war. Um, and the Zapatistas, what did they do? They listened. They listened to the people, the popular masses of Mexico. And they went instead into negotiations with the Mexican government. And so in a two-year period, what the Zapatistas did as, as a kind of, as a movida, as a strategy is what they said, we're not gonna go into negotiations if you're not gonna bring in other people from Mexico, pueblos indígenas, pueblos originarios to the table to negotiate. And they did that on purpose because what they wanted to do was bring indigenous peoples from Mexico that have never talked to each other, that have never ever even knew about each other's existence maybe. And so what, what happened then is that they formed the CNE, they formed this Congress of Indigenous Peoples in Mexico that now has over 500 indigenous communities and over 40 indigenous peoples with their own languages and variants um, who meet as an assembly um, from time to time to talk about their issues, to talk about the projects on their lands, to talk, to talk about how they're defending their land, to talk about what support, solidarity that they need. They have formed this Congress that's over 20 years old <laughs> that doesn't get talked about. The Zapatistas do and it's great, but I think we need to talk more about the CNE as well because they have been doing something in Mexico that is very hard to do. And that's bring and gather people together to talk about these issues that you know we feel like are, and these are everyday ordinary, what they call themselves ordinary humble people, right? Um, who are not you know trying to take up arms, but who are trying to just defend their lands, their territories, and to defend life. Um, and so, with that, I think we can learn a lot from this Congreso, right? What does a Congreso look like for us in the United States, right? From below. What does it mean to be an assembly? What does it mean to make these kind of Zapatista spaces that are following the, the, the seven principles that um, Gustavo just talked about? 
And I think with um, our network that we're part of, um, and you know, we, we're not representing it today, but um, you know, we're trying to do something like that that has never been done before, and it's very hard work. It's the most difficult work I have ever done because it's a it's a U.S. wide network with people I've never met in my life, but people who come, they show love. They're not antagonistic to each other. We're all there to learn. We're learning from each other. And so that, that's what keeps my fire alive in the face of so many different confrontations with other people who don't live like that. They want to destroy you. They want to go from above. They want to um, supplant. They want to, you know, they want to do everything that's on the other side, right, where, where, that the principles don't want, right? Um, and I, so for me, a lot of that is, you know, how, how, do, we, how do we make different kinds of spaces with other people that are not about that, that, that honor who we are as people. That doesn't take away from, you know, our own desires, right? And imposing stuff. Um, yeah, for me, it's, it's really hard. It's hard to do, to do anything. <laughs> um, you know, you waking up and going to school. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> You know, organizing, you know, graduate students is like one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Um, so I can't imagine, you know, at a scale that's, you know, being proposed by the Zapatistas, you know, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. But I think, you know, it's possible. It just takes time, right? Slow, but it'll move forward. You know, for me, um... I, I think what I've really enjoyed about doing this kind of work is, is hearing the different stories um, and seeing the different creations and writings that um, all of the collaborators and community partners and friendships that we have made has been really, has been really beautiful. And I always think about, we had done a podcast with uh, Dr. Irene Vasquez here at the University of New Mexico. And, and the way she talked about I think Chicano studies and, and I think other Chicanx projects is uh, through this idea of creating and providing a life-giving force. And I think our project has really been that for us. It has really given us life and it has demonstrated how people want life and how they live and the joy that they create. And even in, in, in some of the most harsh conditions, sometimes the most dire realities, um, there's that hunger and that desire to live, right? There's that hunger to transform and to grow and to, um, you know, create beautiful things. And I think that's what has been so wonderful about being in this project. And uh, it has allowed us to see that, right? And to recognize that. And I think building off what Gustavo had said, uh, how often we're taught to, you know, to destroy and especially because we're all in school, right? That's, isn't that what uh, academia considers critical thinking? The idea to deconstruct and, and um, dissect everything in the world around us. And, and although that's a useful way at times to think about the world and, and to critique and to you know, really kind of see what's at the root of the problem, but that's all we've been taught to do. And so, what this project has really allowed us to see is how people create and how they build, 
right? And how they move beyond this destructive force that has really embedded itself in our bones and our being and has really, um, I think for myself, taught me to see the beauty in the things that people create because it's so often we want to destroy things. We want to be like, oh, well, they're actually trash or they don't take this into consideration or they don't do this or they don't do that. You know, we see that a lot in woke culture um, where people feel like you have to be the perfect subject or, and often um, the most imperfect subject, right? It's in, in, in the sense of like oppression Olympics. And I think what, you know, all the work that we've done and all the people we've met and the projects that we have seen and got to talk about has showed us it's not about that, right? That we're transforming people and that we have the ability to create and to continue creating and to continue envisioning um, and reaching for something that is beyond the world that we're living in. And I think that's what's really beautiful is that um, even in the couple, the year, maybe two years that we've, almost two years that we've been working on this, um, I have been taught so many ways to see the world that I had never imagined. And that's what I'm so grateful for is, is to get that opportunity to dream in a way that I never thought I could dream. And so not only my compas have taught me that, but all, all of the people, whether it be the folks in España, the Zapatistas, um, the indigenous communities in, in Mexico, the Afro communities and across the hemisphere, or it's just the, you know, the everyday people selling flowers in the street or the student who works two jobs or the artist, right? They have really taught me how to dream. And I'm so grateful for that because, you know, we're in a moment where we're taught that we can't dream and then we can't envision a different world. And so I think that's what's been really beautiful about this project is um, they really let, lit a fire in my soul that I think the world has tried really, really hard to put out, so. Man, like sinking in, um, really love hearing all your words, all of you. Um, I, I feel like I need to hear, I get inspired hearing what y'all do, uh, helps me with my, my flame and what I do. Um, it helps me also, how do I change things um, to embrace more of this in my life too. So I really um, admire that y'all work together, work with people y'all love and and still creating a better, uh, you know, uh, a world with like as what you said that Dr. Vasquez said, uh, what's it called? A I, I'm, I'm gonna... Yeah, a life-giving force. Yes, um, that's really great to like, just inspiring for me. And like, I'm, I'm thankful that I got to connect with y'all and y'all are willing to do this interview with me. Um, and you're super busy, you know, that's a lot of things going on with school, just with school, you know, then you're doing all this. So very, uh, I'm very thankful um, to be sharing, again, sharing this space with you all. And, um, and our podcast, have similar one word that's very similar, you know, similar is Tiawi, like moving adelante. And this helps me, like, I feel like with the, the it's like uh, important that we, you know, embrace the change and being able to go, you know, keep expanding in whatever direction it is. So um, if y'all, do you have any, any last, like, let's say thoughts or 
any shout outs, your social media or something that we can do to support your work um, that you can share with us? Yes. So actually, I'm not sure when this podcast is going to be released, um, but we do for our zine, uh, Tierra y Libertad Press, we have two calls out right now. So we have for volume two of Chicanista Radicalism on um, Chicanx bodies and embodiment. Um, and then we have another one out for, um, I don't know the title of it, so I'll pass it to you, Gustavo. It's a long one. <laughs> it just hey, came out yesterday or today, you, no? I was like, do you want to talk more about your call for the one that you're working on or the one that you're, sure. yeah, talk about the call and then I can talk a little bit about it. Yeah, for um, the Chicanx bodies and embodiment, it's really exploring um, and we invite collaborators, whether they be artists, writers, um, or people who just want to express themselves. I was really exploring this idea of Chicanx body uh, and bodies, right? So not only how we understand ourselves through our actual and fleshed bodies, but our bodies of knowledge, um, the, the bodies that we embody. So whether it be the, the land, the territory, the spiritual realm, um, and thinking about how we understand ourselves um, through this idea of body, particularly because the body becomes a site of uh, contestation, right? In terms of um, being brown or not brown enough, being indigenous or not indigenous, um, or you know, not being allowed to exist in certain bodies of land. But it also, um, our bodies, whether it be bodies of knowledge, um, our vessels of bodies, also become beautiful places of creation. And so how do we think about this idea of the Chicanx body or bodies? So um, I'm really excited. The call has been out about for a month now and it closes December 5th. And so we're inviting, you know, any kind of artist, poetry, songs, um, reflections, interviews, pictures, um, anything that folks want to contribute about this idea are welcomed. And we're hoping to have it out I think by sometime next year, early, early January, February. So yes, I'm really excited for that. And then I'll pass it to Goose to share about the second call that we have out. Yeah, and so another call that we have for Tierra Libertad Press is um, a zine titled Bridging Mundos Oaxaqueñexes, Constellations of Descent. And, and part of this is it's a co collaboration between myself um, and and uh, and a Oaxacan artist Stephanie, um, who is um, who has been producing a lot of different kind of works in, in in California, and so my family comes from from Oaxaca, no, and we come from an indigenous community in the Central Valley, a Zapotec community, and and for me thinking about this idea of bridging worlds, um, I thought it would be in, um, myself and um, Stephanie thought it would be awesome to 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 kind of make a call to bring in the experiences of Oaxacan communities, both living in Mexico and the United States. Um, so we have a call out right now, um, trying to bring in all of these histories and experiences. Um, and the deadline for it is January 1st, 2022. Um, so we have a couple months until, until the deadline um, for submission. Also, if there's any Oaxaqueños, Oaxaqueñas, Oaxaqueñexes listening, you know, please send us an email, send us a message, and submit your work to Bridging Mundos Oaxaqueños, Oaxaqueñas, Oaxaqueñexes, Constellations of Descent. Check out our social media on um, Chicana Tiawi, 
as well as our website to check out the different blogs we have going on right now. We have a couple series. Um, of course, our podcast, Chicana Tiawi, which you can find on Spotify. I think we just got onto Apple Music or or it's in the works of being on Apple. No, not yet. Podbean for sure though. Um, and so you can download, I think you can download our episodes through Podbean and you know, just check out some of the work that we've been doing and we just, we upload them and we do the work as we can. So right now we're in the thick of the semester. So um, our podcasting has been a little, um, we slow down a little bit, but it's okay. We'll probably pick back up um, once again, towards the end of the year. The beginning of the year once we feel a little bit more invigorated and and um yeah i'll pass y'all pass the palabra to whoever has anything else to share but we're really grateful to be here yeah thanks so much for inviting us again and um i mean right now we just another zine that we released was the guerrero and diaspora volume two zine which is free online. Um, you can find it on our link tree or at Guerrerense Diaspora IG. Um, yeah, you can look at it for free. It's pretty dope. Um, in the coming weeks, we should have physical copies in the world. I don't know. We, we walk real slow. It's okay though. <laughs> um, but yeah, for now you can at least check it out, which is really nice. Um, we tried to use the various platforms so that folks can engage it. Um, but yeah, that one's just about the various experiences of folks from Guerrero, Mexico and diaspora. Um, so yeah, check it out. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> we are always open to collaborate with uh, people who are, you know, they, they create stuff, they they write, they do poetry, they like to do visuals. Um, as a zine press, we're interested in people that might fit our, our goals, or not our goals, our, <laughs> our objective as a zine press to really share stories, images, ideas, manifestos, you know, whatever you want, um, to help you with the process and have like money to be able to print stuff for you um, and support your zine. Um, and we can always talk about, you know, what that looks like, but we're really um, happy to do a lot of that work. Or if you're interested in hosting us as a zine workshop, uh, we also have a workshop that we offer on how to do zines and how we understand zines and, you know, our own theories and methods of doing zines, um, which for us, you know, it's very punk, it's very DIY, it's very rasquache, you know. We, you know, it's, it's, it's that, um, it's the spirit of just putting your shit out there. <laughs> whoever's going to read it, whoever's going to find it, you know, um, like I, I really love, you know, Tiawi uh, talks because for me, this kind of media is so important because it really shows us that people are out here trying to tell different kinds of stories, trying to share different kinds of perspectives, trying to really show, you know, everyday things that we encounter and maybe don't have language for and someone says something you're like oh wow you know um so you know i think these things are so important and i wish everyone well maybe not anyone but <laughs> you know people who who have this love for doing this kind of work is such important and i really encourage a lot of people to not only listen but also 
maybe start their own with their friends and you know the possibilities are endless we need more voices yes and then i just have one last thing um yeah. on a side note um with another network that we're a part of we also sell zapatista coffee so please hit us up if you want some coffee um hopefully we will be getting another batch very soon um, again, thank you so much for big deep gratitude for y'all's time today and also your work just that y'all doing what you're doing is very inspiring. Thank you again for joining us. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast and follow Tia Chuchas on social media. Please support our online bookstore. You can find the links in our podcast bio. Stay safe, stay creative. Tiawi.